630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. No longer a candidate to be a hub city for the restart in the National Hockey League. Edmonton, Toronto, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Chicago into the final five. If you watch the recent Battlestar Galactica series, the final five has a little extra meaning. Well, it's not that recent anymore, earlier this century. Anyway, I digress. And maybe a decision early next week, not likely tomorrow because the NHL has the draft lottery tomorrow night. And we'll have more details on that with Thomas Drance, who is a writer for The Athletic in Vancouver between 7.30 and 8 tonight. Jeremy from Glendon texting in. He says, hey, Reed, Fred Stamps definitely has my vote for one of the top players of the decade. My brother still has that game-winning touchdown ball Fred caught from Ricky Ray with nine seconds left and threw it into the stands in that game versus the Stampeders. Yes, on a wonderful August night at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, When Chris Cuthbert was on a couple of weeks ago, we played his play-by-play of that touchdown. Jeremy from Glendon checking in tonight. Good to hear from you, Jeremy. Of course, Jeremy with a luxury apartment inside the pierogi in Glendon. Very unique and highly esteemed residence in the province of Alberta. All right, I am pleased to welcome back to the program a good friend of mine from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, the host of broadcasts on the Flames Radio Network. It is the one and only Pat Steinberg. Pat, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I am well. It is a pleasure to be on your program as always. Hi, Reed. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, We actually were going to have you on last night. And sort of like Matt Damon on Jimmy Kimmel, you were bumped, except we then did have you on, because uh, we got Marty Jelena booked at about 5.30, so you graciously stepped aside. So thank you for understanding. Yeah, uh, Jelena's trash. He's a, he's a bad human being <laughs> and needs to mix in a workout every once in a while. So I was a little upset by that, but uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise I'll forgive you. No, Marty Jelena is one of the great human beings in hockey. And uh, I'm glad you got him. I, I, I told you before, please bump me if you get Marty. So we're all good. I'm happy to be on today. Well, he was he was great. And, and I reached out to the Flames in the morning because I expected Aginla to make the Hall of Fame and then had the extra angle of Kevin Lowe as well. And Jelena was, uh, you know, I think 19 or 20 when the Oilers won the Stanley Cup in 1990. Mm-hmm. And Jelena was part of that uh, that kid line with Graves and, and Murphy. So that was an extra angle. And Jelena, very well-spoken and uh, very classy in the interview. Hey, before we talk hockey stuff, uh, you or any, any of your property get d- damaged by uh, that bad hail you guys had a couple of weeks ago? I mean, some of the pictures I saw from that were astounding. No, I was good. Uh, we got, like, well, I live downtown Calgary, and we got hit. Like, we definitely got hit, and there was definitely some hail, but nowhere near, like, what the uh, northeast part of our city got. Like, that, those pictures were terrifying, and um, if you saw, did you see the pictures of, of our leg at the QE2 on Deerfoot Trail? It was unbelievable. People were swimming in there. Uh, yep. So, no, we uh, downtown was, uh, was fairly lightly hit um it was the north end of the city and specifically the northeast end of the city that really got hit in fact they've been hammered we've had a bunch of crazy flash storms so far this summer and it's always the northeast that's been hit so far so i feel bad glad that there's a there's a disaster relief plan coming for them because I, that just was just awful to see so no I, I was okay luckily uh came away unscathed but uh that's uh 
you know what they say about Calgary weather? If you don't like it, just wait a minute. It's been kind of that. Uh, it's been that kind of summer in Calgary for sure. All right. Well, you know, I like like I said, I, I was pretty sure Jerome McGinley was going to get in uh, a great career. Obviously, uh, I mean, you know the market better better than I do, but I, I wouldn't hesitate to say one of the most popular Flames players ever. Certainly well-respected by his opponents. I mean, one of those players Oilers fans wouldn't like in the extent that he could go out there and score a goal and beat somebody up or throw a few body checks. But, uh, I mean, Matthew Kachuk can do that as a Flame, but Oilers fans hate him. Uh, they they respect, <laughs> respect Jerome McGinley. It's a different sort of relationship. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I don't think you're off base to say that Jerome Ginler is the most popular flame of all time. And and he, I think, without a doubt, the greatest flame to ever wear the jersey. I mean, they, there have been some really good players who have suited up here. And, you know, Al McKinnis is a Hall of Famer. Joe Newendike's a Hall of Famer. And, and they were incredible for this team. Mika Kiprasov was as elite as they come when he was specifically in his time with the Flames. Uh, but what Jerome McGinley did from a longevity standpoint, what he did from putting this team on the map, and, and not just the 0-4 run to the Stanley Cup Finals, which is, is still probably the, the crowning achievement for Jerome, but also the fact that he scored 50 goals, and he scored 50 goals in a time when the Flames were not a very good hockey team. Like, remember the the early 1990s, and then specifically into the mid 1990s and late 1990s was not a banner time for the NHL in this province. The Oilers, the Oilers were kind of this cool story a couple of times because Todd Barshant and and the the upsets over Dallas and and Colorado were cool. But, I mean, because of where the Canadian dollar was, both Edmonton and Calgary struggled to be the teams that only a decade prior they were. I mean, for, for basically an entire decade or the better part of a decade in the 1980s, the NHL ran through Alberta, either Edmonton or Calgary, and there was that run where one of those teams is in the Stanley Cup final for, what, six years in a row. So it's, it's – and, and then what happened after mm-hmm. that, it was it was tough times in the 90s for Flames fans. And so for Jerome McGinley to get here and to make a splash right away in his first two games that were playoff games and then to go on and, and a few years later – uh, Torch was passed when Theron Fleury was traded, and Jerome really started to take off there. And, and so he was a part of the, the gold medal mm-hmm. winning team in 2002. He scored 50 goals that same season. He, there, there's so much of what he did at the early part of his career put the Flames back on the map and gave fans here something to cheer for as opposed to a team that was probably going to win 30 times and miss the playoffs by 15 points. So... Then what happened after that and what he did when they went to the Stanley Cup final and just how how long he was a member of this team. I, I think that he is, without a doubt, the most popular flame that's ever played here. And we heard from a lot of Oilers fans yesterday when we were on the air. We kind of dedicated the whole show yesterday to Jerome and tons of Oilers fans texted in. And the, the common refrain was, I hated him because he played for the Flames, but now that he's done, nothing but respect. That's the type of player that he was. He was mm-hmm. tough to dislike as an opposing team's fan. And he deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It was uh, very cool to see him go in yesterday. 
Yeah, and I mean, it was uh, interesting to hear Jelena talk about him and, and just how respected he is. And uh, on on his conference call, Aginla told a great story about growing up in St. Albert and looking up the Grand Fuhr. You, you heard that story, or maybe he told it on your show, about getting the picture of Fuhr while Fuhr was playing baseball. I thought that was really touching. Yeah, I, and, and I thought that was uh, I thought that was very cool as well. And uh, as you know, Grant Fear, another member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, who uh, a Flames great, Grant Fear, uh, I believe he went in in the Flames colors. Um, but the, the I thought that was I thought that was a very cool I thought that was a very cool story. Actually, so so I, I listened to the conference call and we played part of it on the air, and then we uh, we got pretty lucky, and and the Flames helped us out. And we got Jerome on the air, and and it was just. It was so cool to see, or, or to hear rather, Jerome sound the same way that he did when he was still playing. Always gracious, always very humble, and and always just ready to ready to defer the spotlight and not put it on him. He's just I, I know that there was some. I, I guess some controversy or some dislike for the way that his tenure in Calgary ended and the way that the trade went down and all that type of stuff. And, and I understand that. But when it's all said and done, Jerome came back. He got his jersey retired. He came back, and, and the relationship with the team was, was built again. And I think when people think about Jerome Aginla, they think about the smile. They think about the ambassador that he was for the game. And... They think about the, the the unbelievable moments that that he gave fans. That shot off the right wing, and some of those fights, and when that guy got angry, and and some of the things that happened when <laughs> he was seeing red and, and had rage in his eyes, you're like, Jerome McGinn was terrifying. And there was a stretch, <laughs> there was a stretch there for about five years, from '04 to about '09, where he was one of the two or three best players on planet earth if not the best i, I go take a look at his back-to-back 94 98 point seasons and yeah. th- didn't matter what you did there were there were times in every game where he'd be out there for two or three shifts and the other team didn't matter what they did or who they had on the ice against them couldn't stop him and it, it like that that season when he had 94 points in 70 games is one of the most dominant seasons that I've ever seen up close and personal like the guy could not be stopped and the only thing that slowed him down was a knee injury after he ran into Brian Allen in a game with the Florida Panthers in January like he probably would have finished with somewhere close to 110 points that year he was he was so dominant so yeah it, it was it was very cool to see him go in and I think it was it, it was for Flames fans it was equally as special knowing that Lanny McDonald is the chairman of the selection committee and he was the guy on the conference call introducing him and all that type of stuff. That was, I think that was pretty cool and Flames fans marked out pretty good over that. Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary joining us then at Inside Sports. Some of uh, his memories and perspective on Jerome McGinley's Hockey Hall of Fame career. I saw a little blurb yesterday as well, Pat, that there is... Uh, a step forward, I suppose, in a, in a new arena for the Calgary Flames. These things take a long time, as we learned here in Edmonton, but they do have some construction targets, I understand. They've got some targets, and they've got their design team. So we now know who the two firms are that are going to be in and, and design and, and come up with the architectural plans and such of, of this new building. And I, I'm, I'm 
really fascinated to see where this goes. Um, there's, you know, the, the the two firms, one of them uh, helped build and then helped design Rogers Place in your city, which I think is an absolute crown jewel in the NHL, one of my uh, favorite places to visit. And on top of that, I, I think there should be 12 NHL teams visiting it soon. I, I, I've been, I really do want that for the province. I really do want that to, to happen, even coming from a Calgary guy and, as much fun as people made of Jason Kenney's video. I, I really do want Edmonton to be the hub city. I digress. Uh, and then they also worked on the uh, the arena in Detroit, Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, and a lot of people love that spot as well. So I'm really curious to see what they come up with. I'm really curious what the mandate is from the city and from the Calgary Flames in terms of what they want to see in this new event center. And, and I just, like, I think in, in our city... All of the going back and forth and the sniping at one another and that, I think that stuff is all behind us. I think that now it's just find a design team, figure out a groundbreaking day, and go from there. The funding has been secured. I don't think the funding is going to be backed out on from any of the parties involved. And I think by 2024, we're going to be talking about a new event center in the city of Calgary. It, it takes, it, you know, it took a significant amount of time more than the way it went in Edmonton I think that they learned a lot of lessons down here in terms of how things went in Edmonton but some of them I don't know if they followed because there was still a lot of the the public back and forth but I I'm excited for it I think it is it is very much needed at this point and you take a look at the plans that they have for how they want to make the arena kind of a, a hub for development around it it looks pretty cool and i would have been more skeptical had i not seen the evolution of what's happened at ice district as a, like the first time i went to rogers place I'm like this arena is cool but there's nothing around here and the second time i went I was like holy it's exponentially grown and the third time i went it had taken another exponential jump they have done an unbelievable job at ice district and turned that area into a destination i i, I and, and so seeing that and seeing the success of that I think really gives me hope that something similar could happen. You know, similar area of town in in Calgary where there definitely there's already revitalization going on in and around, but right around the arena, it needs a kick in the pants. And and I think that I think that this is a really good opportunity to do just that. All right, Pat. It is always a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, I wish we had a little more time, but. You know that that's that's just how it goes. But I do like you quite a bit. I hope that uh, I hope that we get to be talking about Flames and Oilers hockey on the ice very soon. I miss that. I miss that immensely. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for checking Bye. in. Bye, Reed. Okay. <laughs> that's Pat Steinberg. Good stuff on uh, Aginla and the Flames Arena project. So they'll start construction in just over a year and aiming to have it done in May of twenty. 24. Vic says, I remember them calling Alberta Death Valley in those 10 years in the 80s. Nobody came into Alberta and won a game. Yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty rare. Somebody else says, hey, Reed, where is James Neal these days? Uh, you know, He was on with Bob maybe a month ago, maybe a little less than that. I can't, I can't remember where James Neal is uh, actually spending his time, but uh, he's, he's an Edmonton Oiler, and he'll be uh, getting in for training camp for July 10th if all goes ahead with that. 780-496-0063 to text. Back after the break.
this one, Kellen. Hey man, nice shot. That was a request by Steve. This is Filter, or as I call it, the song from every 90s action movie ever. <laughs> All right. It was in everything at one time. 780-496-0063. Beans McQueen writing in. Excellent handle. He says, hey, Reed, glad you were back to the two-hour time slot. Appreciate that, Beans. I am happy about it as well. He says, I believe Neil has said that he's been in Nashville and can't wait to, to get back to him. Yes, thank you for that, Beans. I could not think of that on the fly. Uh, yeah, James Neal, Nashville, and coming to Edmonton probably, uh, well, in a week or a week and a half. Kyle and Devin says he'd like to hear wherever I may roam for the commercial break song. We'll try to get that's Metallica, is it not, Kellen? It is. We can play it later. Is that off uh, their Black Album? Or it is. Or is that an earlier one? It is, okay. It is, yeah. Uh, I, I got to admit, I'm not totally up to speed on Metallica. I mean, I know most of the hits, but I, I wouldn't uh, necessarily know what album it's it, it's off. A couple songs, maybe. And uh, Kyle and Devin, which is where I golf today, by the way, says, could you comment on your Edmonton Oilers opening night in the playoff starting lineup, presuming all players are healthy? Well, th- that's still a big presumption. We got to get through training camp. I, I wouldn't touch the top six as they played against Winnipeg. I, I would have Ennis up there with McDavid and Cassian. Dry Settle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto obviously would be together. Uh, I would have Shane and Archibald, and I think I would probably put Kara on that left wing to start. And then I would have Haas with Neil and Chase on. So I actually would be scratching Athanasiu and Nygaard. Clefbaum with Larson, Nurse with Bear, and then I would—I I know it's two righties, but I would probably lead, lean towards Green and Benning together. I, I'd want Green's experience in the lineup, and, and you'd have Caleb Jones ready to go when you need him. That's what I just scribbled down quickly during the commercial, Kyle. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> Appreciate that. 780-496-0063. It is uh, going to be an update from Vancouver. They are out as a hub city. Thomas Drance from The Athletic when we get back. Yeah, Greg Ellingson, one of the candidates for the all-decade team at receiver. That's a poll the CFL is running online. I tweeted out a link earlier. We had Fred Stamps. On the show, Darius Bowman, one of the candidates as well, Aaron Grimes, Darrell Walker, several players who were big contributors for the Edmonton Eskimos between 2010 and 2019. Right now, you can vote for five receivers, four defensive backs, and a safety. Other positions throughout the summer, they will uh, open it up to running backs and linebackers on July 7th, goes all the way to September 1st, when you'll start voting for a head coach. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Ched, we uh, talked to Fred Stamps, as I mentioned earlier. Pat Steinberg was just on the show. You heard some comments from Brian Burke and Kevin Lowe. We had tons of Hall of Fame coverage last night with uh, Marty Jelena checking in. Ken Holland was on the show, Glenn Anderson as well, as that was the big story. And uh, one of the big stories today is that Vancouver, out of the running, become uh, to become a hub city for the NHL's restarts. And we will discuss further with Thomas Drantz, who hops back on Inside Sports. He is with The Athletic Vancouver. Thomas, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Reed. Hey, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, appreciate you checking in because I know uh, it, it's been a heavy news day there. I've kind of <laughs> yeah. given an I've kind of given an overview and a Cole's notes throughout the show here, and and just mentioned that we we were having you on to have some more details. So sure. let me start there. Give give us the detailed account of uh, how Vancouver has gone from maybe being higher up on the list <laughs> to dropping out completely. Yeah, and and truly, I think it was very close to done early in the week when you heard that the noises out of the NHL that, you know, the hub cities might be announced this week. I, I think that was predicated on things going smoothly in Vancouver. Uh, they didn't. And on Tuesday, it seems Tuesday afternoon, it hit what Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet has memorably coined and termed a, a snag. And that snag, we now know, was, you know, in the details. And, and it really was in the details as it pertains to the protocol that would govern the reaction to a uh, positive test for a player within the bubble. Now, it's a little bit interesting today because it's been a very cooperative process, and, and I don't think there's any feeling of acrimony on any side. But I do think the government, the public health officials in B.C. held a pretty firm line. And, and as best as I understand it, while the NDP government, the premier, the health minister, Adrian Dix, and, you know, of course, Dr. Bonnie Henry, who's, you know, sort of been the giant of the pandemic in this province. You know, they've all sort of commented on it and talked about it, uh, mm -hmm. talked about this in a way that I, I think casts it in a more dramatic light than my understanding from talking to a variety of people close to the process. Uh, I think the disagreement essentially came down to whether or not in the event of a positive test within the bubble, a player, say a player has a positive test, how would the close contacts of that player be handled? So teammates, players on a rival team perhaps, uh, equipment trainers, etc. And I think the NHL has, you know, a robust sort of plan in place to handle that. Uh, my guess is it's in line more with what we've seen from the PGA and from the Bundesliga and from the EPL, whereby uh, one positive test doesn't necessarily cause a suspension of a team or, or their recent opponent uh, from playing their games in the event that other tests are positive. I think the government wanted something beyond that standard. Uh, I don't think that was a, I think that was essentially a non-starter for the NHL. And so, you know, this detail sort of caused the entire house of cards to tumble to the point that the Canucks, you know, proactively sort of withdrew from the process this afternoon, um, you know, and, and did so in a way that I think was complimentary of the government. And I think that their sort of status on that is true. Like, I think there's, again, uh, no acrimony between the Canucks and the B.C. government. I don't think there's acrimony between the league and the provincial government. But I do think the provincial government and the health officials in British Columbia held to a pretty firm standard. And, and from what Ryan Rashog is reporting and, and what Pierre Lebrun is reporting, um, you know, both my TSN colleagues, it does seem like the provincial health officials in Ontario and Alberta are more amenable to setting something up along the lines that, you know, other leagues that are in operation at the moment, uh, with the exception of the KBO, which has harsher sort of rules for uh, how a positive test impacts league play, uh, you know, more in line with how those leagues are operating. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that, Thomas. That's, that's an awesome summary. I, I'm curious if you can sum up as well how uh, outwardly aggressive Vancouver and the province have been because here in Alberta, OEGs mm -hmm. never, never made a secret of going for it. 
no. you know, the pre the premier's been uh, all in. There's been support from the city, and I contrast that with like Chicago and Los Angeles when the NHL put out that list of ten. Everybody was like, "Oh wow!" Like no idea <laughs> that they were even going for it. And I mean, I think we knew about Vancouver, but how mm-hmm. uh, publicly aggressive have have they been with this pitch along the way? Well, the Canucks have done it pretty quietly, but they've been a sort of behind the scenes. This has been a lengthy process involving, you know, essentially they convened a panel of, you know, five of the top organi- uh, t- top executives within the organization, three of whom are Vanoff alums who, you know, worked on the Olympic bid and, and worked for the Olympic committee uh, that helped host the 2010 Olympic Games in Vancouver. Uh, you know, there's Hardman, sort of the master of facilities, and he consulted on the 2026 FIFA bid. So, you know, a fair bit of executive talent working pretty hard on this bid process and on fleshing out this bid process. And, and over the past 10 days, as Vancouver really emerged as a front runner, the league had challenged them directly to upgrade the lifestyle amenities that were included in the bid. And, and that really included the Park Hotel, which is the JW Marriott, uh, you know, 400 yards from the rink. And that was the HQ for the NHL draft. Uh, in 2019, which Vancouver hosted, uh, you know, there's a 517-room capacity there. It's right beside a, another five-star hotel, the Douglas Autograph um, Hotel, which, you know, can house another 200. There's another 200 rooms in that facility. So, you know, that was sort of the nexus of the pit. And I think there was a high level of desirability for the NHLPA because Vancouver has a good rep as a fun place to visit, a nice place in the summer. Um, maybe maybe there's there's not the withering pressure when you're just visiting that there is in this market if you play here full time. Uh, and then you know I think also the extremely low case count in terms of COVID-19 cases locally. And you know in British Columbia as a whole, uh, we added 20 cases today, but that brings the total to about 179, like under 180 active cases in the entire province. So that was sort of seen as a positive. Uh, and something that I think as the process got down to brass tacks, the league began to prioritize significantly. And so, you know, the fact of the matter is that actually it was the BC government. The premier was more often the, the person who was a little bit ahead of his skis in terms of touting the aggressiveness that the province had taken in pursuing this bid. The Canucks, I think, were a little quieter. Uh, but they were definitely, definitely working hard on this behind the scenes. And, and, you know, the organization is saying the right things today, but I think there's a pretty significant sense of disappointment uh, that things couldn't be ironed out. Thomas Drance joining us from The Athletic Vancouver. I'm a little curious, and and this might be hard to characterize, Thomas. I was going to ask you Mm -hmm. about the fan and public reaction because I know just from hosting this show or, or talking to friends or seeing stuff on social media, there's everything from... This would be great for Edmonton, even if we can't go to games. It'd be cool to have, even if it's the Eastern Conference here, and show off Rogers' place to somebody who texted in earlier saying, who cares, it's a non-story because nobody can attend the games. Who cares where they are? Is there a, is there a, a stronger sentiment either way on the West Coast? I think the sentiment is that the public health officials in this province have earned the benefit of the doubt and that what they say should go. Uh, if they're advising you that the protocol needs to be firmer, needs to be tighter, that's probably a suggestion you should adopt. Uh, okay. That's sort of the widespread sentiment here. I was on TSN 1040, uh, you know, as a fill-in host this afternoon, and we ran a poll. Look, 
should the provincial government have done more to, you know, try and recruit <laughs> the league to come here and choose Vancouver as a host for the NHL Hub City? And over 90% of the voters on social media said no. Uh, so, you know, I think the sentiment is very strongly behind the provincial health officials in Vancouver. Uh, you know, I think there's a very strong sense locally that, you know, the stability that we've found with a relatively flattened curve is more important than playing host NHL games that, you know, while it would have been nice, uh, it had to be on our terms, uh, seeing as how that, you know, has not come to pass. I think the support is very much with the government. Okay. All right. Well, I'll ask you one hockey question before I let you go. And thanks for coming on after a, <laughs> no, a busy no, day. And, and like you mentioned, you were hosting as well. Uh, <laughs> Vancouver, Vancouver, Minnesota, the longest mm. lead up ever to, well, they're technically not playoff. They're, they're postseason games, but they're yeah. not playoff games. Uh, like I had Marty Jelena on last night from the Flames coaching staff, and I said, like, how sick are you of watching Winnipeg Jets uh, game film to prepare? But uh, give you a quick handicap on a best-of-five Canucks Wild Series if and when everything goes ahead. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a fascinating series because the Canucks have the stronger top end in terms of the you know, elite skill that the Canucks can ice in terms of their top six. But in almost every other area, aside from in goal, I think you'd like the Wild depth players, and especially along the blue line. You know, the Wild also have this underrated sort of checking line with Marcus Foligno, who is something of an engine and a physical player who fits the template of, you know, that type of player that drives a fan, an opposing fan base nuts over the course of a playoff series. And Jewel Erickson Act, who's really emerged, who's maybe one of the NHL's most underrated sort of annoying, physical, agitating, defensive centermen. Uh, that's going to be a really fascinating matchup, especially to see how Erickson Act, you know, handles Pedersen. I'd assume that that's the Minnesota Wilds' choice of matchup uh, when they have home ice. Uh, your listeners can't see it, but of course I'm making scare quotes when I say home ice. <laughs> and, right. and, then, and then, you know, the other side of it is Minnesota didn't get saves all year. And Alex Stalock went on a bit of a safe percentage bender after January, but I don't think anyone's confusing him with a starting caliber NHL goaltender. Uh, you know, Devin Dubnik, uh, he's, he's clearly struggled with confidence this year, even though the Wild do a good job generally limiting scoring chances against. So, you know, I'll, I'll be pretty fascinated to see sort of how this looks. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Canucks probably should be favored, but maybe not by as much as you think based on the apparent face value. Of, of Vancouver's top end and players like Patterson and Bassett. Right on. Hey, Thomas, really informative. Thanks for the update. Just uh, an ongoing story. And uh, I, it might be now, it sounds like Monday or Tuesday for Hub Cities, I suppose, since <laughs> yeah. the draft lottery is, uh, is tomorrow. So we'll keep an yeah. eye on that. Thanks so much for checking in, man. Have a great night. My absolute pleasure. All the best. Bye-bye. Thomas Drantz uh, covers the Canucks for The Athletic in Vancouver. So really good perspective on the scene there with uh, what went down with the Canucks, with the province of BC, with the NHL, and why Vancouver is no longer in the running to be a hub city. So it is Edmonton, Toronto, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Chicago. There will be uh, Canadian city. Who knows? Maybe there are going to be two. Maybe it'll be both Edmonton and Toronto. It is 746. You can call or text 780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins with you tonight. Back after the...
Connor McDavid. Teammate Leon Dreisaitl winning the Art Ross as the leading scorer in the National Hockey League this season. What do we have here, Kellen? This is Show Me How to Live by Audio Slave. Jordan called in and said he wanted to hear it. Well, we're getting calls. That's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you, Jordan. This texter says it's safer in Canada, low COVID numbers, no riots. I'd be scared to go to Detroit or Chicago. Well, uh, yeah, fair comment. Detroit not in the running to be a hub city, but Chicago is. Vic says, do you think the ice surface is a factor with the players? Edmonton has some of the best ice in the league. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really think they're looking at that, Vic. I think they're, they're looking at the COVID situation and, and staying in a bubble. But uh, yeah, Rogers Place, uh, I think, what was it, second in the player pool? The, the first year the, the building opened, the ice wasn't great. I know a couple of players told me it was probably average NHL ice, but not as good as uh, the prime years at uh, at the old Coliseum, but now Rogers Place uh, with some pretty good ice in the National Hockey League. But, I, Vic, I don't think that that would be uh, a big factor here as, uh, as a hub city is going to be selected. Draft lottery tomorrow night, so we'll keep you updated on that. Remember, the seven teams that are out of the playoffs – are in the draft lottery, and then there are eight other slots reserved for teams that might be eliminated in the qualifying round. So they'll have the percentages for for each of those slots the same way as if there were actual teams there. If one of those teams gets picked, picked for one of the three draft lottery slots, then all eight qualifying round teams who are eliminated will have a second lottery with an equal chance at that slot. So if team B won the draft lottery tomorrow, that would be for the first overall pick. And then the eight teams who are eliminated in the qualifying round would each have a 12 and a half percent chance to then win, win that pick. I think that's the best I can explain it without drawing a large diagram. Maybe I'll do that on YouTube after. Great. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, the great one on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Kevin Lowe going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. This was really special because, and I say this with all sincerity, um, we, always, uh, we always seem to look at numbers and statistics, and sometimes uh, that doesn't really add up to what a player uh, brings to a hockey club. And I'm so excited not only for Kevin and his family, uh, and it's a well-deserved honor, but it and it's also an inspiration for young kids that are playing hockey, whether it be Bantam, Midget, Junior Hockey, that each and everybody has uh, a way to contribute to the success of a hockey club. And this just gives it uh, some credence. And, you know, with Kevin going in now, I think it um, obviously uh, should and could and will inspire a uh, younger generation of players that, you don't have to be that guy that scores all the goals to be a good contributor to a hockey club. And so from that point of view, I think it's wonderful. All right, a little bit there from Wayne Gretzky. Full interview in the Oilers Now archive on 630Ched.com. So Vancouver out of the running to be an NHL hub city. That is the big story tonight and uh, we'll see if there are any other developments tomorrow. And as I mentioned, the draft lottery tomorrow night during Inside Sports. So we'll keep you updated as we go, and uh, obviously the Oilers aren't in the draft lottery, but uh, again, if they wind up losing to Chicago and there's a slot for a qualifying round team in the lottery, they'll have a second lottery. 
Okay. That, but there might not be a second lottery if all three slots go to the seven teams who aren't even going to this qualifying round tournament. That's what I'm saying, Kellen. I'm smiling and nodding like I understand, but I don't understand. All right. <laughs> well, that is how it's working. I'm not. I'm not going to get into all the math. Right. But you know, they're 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 calling the teams who would have the eighth to fifteenth best odds in the draft lottery teams mm. A through H, right? And they get the same odds as if an actual team were there. So then, if they're picked for one of the three lottery spots, they they get a placeholder, and then the teams that are eliminated. Uh, you know, would get a chance to be drawn. Anyway, that's a, that's a story for tomorrow. You may not have to worry about a second lottery as uh, as we go along. Okay, we got a winder down. Uh, more fun coming up tomorrow on Inside Sports. We are back to our regular time slot from 6 to 8. Really appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for the text messages and all the calls about the songs. I, I appreciate that that people are having a lot of fun with that. Vic? Send me a picture of his fire pit. Hard talking hockey when these summer campfires are crackling. <laughs> well, the playoffs will go into early October <laughs> if, if we get going. But uh, I understand what Vic is saying for sure. Still a lot of daylight for the next few weeks as well. You heard from Fred Stamps, Pat Steinberg, and Thomas Drance. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great evening. Thank you for tuning in. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.